0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Knowledge Exchange podcast. I am your host, Daniel Arbilla, lead mentor at the Knowledge Exchange, where we run courses for clinicians looking to apply a biopsychosocial approach to their practice. So check out our upcoming courses and mentorship on tkex.org. Today, I am joined by a lovely lady, Helen Boyd, artist based in Sydney, previously in Hong Kong, has an amazing story with lots of insights that will be really essential for clinicians listening on to get a sense of that lived experience. So we often don't feel what it's like to go through the process of persisting pain. And Helen has some really great insights. As humble as she is, she doesn't think she has insights. But um, I'm keen to dive into her story to share and learn from her experiences. So really appreciate your vulnerability, Helen, for joining us today. So thank you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: <clears throat> so the first question is what's your story?
2: What's my pain, pain story? story? What's my pain story? Okay, um well I'm
1: almost 52 in October, so a few weeks I guess, a um, month, somehow at September. Um when I was around 28, I started getting some back pain. I hadn't previously had any issues. Um, and they just worsened, became more frequent, and then quite soon chronic. Um, there were a couple of things that stirred, stirred them up, I guess, looking back. And did what you normally do, go to the doctor, refer to a physio, things got worse, pain increased, um, didn't feel heard really, didn't get any answers, um, had scans, just the things, sort of believe that most people, you know, that sort of routine and, and then just no answers, which was sort of shocking and scary and you just start to spiral and there doesn't feel like a way out and um, and then that starts to affect both your mental and emotional health
0: yeah well, what were some of the impacts looking zooming out now and reflecting on it holistically in other domains of your life and work and livelihood and lifestyle and what did you have to do? What was the impact of?
1: Well, um, I, I'm a mother of three children. At the time, my youngest was four years old. And so my children were four, seven and nine, roughly, day-to-day of running a household, family and family just, you know, moving around. I mean, I was a young woman who suddenly was in chronic pain. And then I started having panic attacks, um, which I actually previously had no knowledge of, like, because why would I? And so just basic day-to-day things like lifting my children, well, you know, like the youngest being four, housework, I had a dog that was of a reasonable size, 50 kilos, walking the dog, just all the things that you do to function and keep the family moving. Uh, and then, you know, on the other side of things, that affected, it affects, I you can see now, it chips away at your marriage, your relationships, your friendships, because you just... Well, essentially, I, you know, was depressed because I was in four years on. I was four years of chronic pain. So, yeah, and you're kind of crying for help. And there is some, there was some support, like there was kindness, I guess, but that was in the instance of, like, my GP was a lovely person. He was listening to me. He referred me to have some med- like do meditation, some counseling and stuff. It kind of threw up some stuff. It threw up some mental health stuff that uh, I guess I'd been squashing for my whole lifetime. So that was sort of interesting in a way. That was probably one of the few, although hard at the time, it was a positive looking back because I did learn about meditation, not that I need to get a bit more routine happening. And I am doing that. I'm tapping back into that again. Um, and working through some of that childhood stuff. Um,
2: but the cons outweigh pros. let's just say.
0: Mm.
1: Pretty scary time, mm. if I'm
0: honest. Hmm. And, and for a bit of background, when it started what was the the onset like what, what were the events at the very start that like triggered the first episode of, of back pain
1: i just did some i did i i was helped my husband was you know typical sort of suburban suburban scenario building a, a retaining wall in the garden we moved around a bit we're from sydney we would moved to new zealand for a couple of years and then with his work and then we moved again to melbourne and we were there 3 years and it happened in melbourne and so you kind of like move and you have these like life stresses of moving moving countries again it felt like a different country because we went from melbourne uh hubby was fairly settled in work because that's what you know it was it was a promotion for him so that was like positive for him and so of course I was supportive of that and the local school and was near the work, and that all kind of fell into place, and and in that respect, everything was good, and the kids were pretty settled, and and you tend to, as a wife and mother, when you live that kind of transient expat ish life, that's your focus, you know, to just kind of make put everybody in place, and then look at yourself, and. I'd been a stay-at-home mum for quite a while, so I was starting to get into a period in my life where my youngest was about to go to school, and I was looking at doing some study. So that was all great, um, and yeah. Anyway, going back, I do Um Hubby was building this retaining wall. We were living on a house that had a slope. The soil is clay, which is very hard. And didn't have any help because we didn't have any extended family, we were quite new to the area or whatever. And I just got in and mucked into kind of doing a hand, really. And didn't know how to dig shit, but like just did it. And you know, you're in your late twenties, you're young, like reasonably healthy, and I would have thought. Um, and that was one of the first flare-ups. And it was through Legs, feet planted stationary and twisting to dig and then put the dirt twist around into the wheelbarrow.
0: Mm. Yeah, wow.
1: And then it was like, not your usual, use different muscle soreness. It was, my back really hurts, shit, you know. Yeah. And then a couple of other things. Another one was paddling, which again was twisting. So this is why when we do rotation stuff, like within our sessions, I fucking hate this because it's a bit triggering for me. Mm. But I have worked through that quite a bit. But Mm. so the paddling went paddling um, not long after, and then uh, so there was another flare up, and then um, a bit of a uh, a bit of a sex spraying Mm. throw that into the mix, Mm. um, which then makes you apprehensive around that nature of things. So just throw that all together, and then you know. So there were these like a succession of flare ups, um, and then at a certain point, they just they didn't ease off.
0: Never went away.
1: Never went away.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, and you saw a few people. So you saw a GP. Geez, got the scans. Yes. Yeah. What was the like? Who did you see in terms of healthcare? Initially, what was that journey like with clinicians?
1: That was it. It was like, GP, who's your first point of call? Mm -hmm. Now I know that really GPs don't know that much generally around backs, even now, I would say. That's my experience. Mm -hmm. Lift your leg up. What's this feel like?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm, This means this. This means that. Um,
0: And you got scans.
1: scan, and then referred to the physio. And I just basically, essentially what I was told was you had three children and this is in the early days and you have weak core. Here's a big bouncy ball to sit on and can you do this exercise? No, you can't. Okay, go home and now try to do that X amount of times a day. And that will fix everything. So you go home and you do that diligently because your body hurts and it doesn't work. Or you don't have time to do it.
2: Mm.
1: And then you add throw on like the guilt patch that you didn't do what you were supposed to do and you're still sore, so then it's your fucking fault. Mm. So, you know, and that goes like on repeat, rinse and repeat,
0: right? Yeah, there's a. It seemed like it was out of your control, but people were almost um, attributing it to how you moved. So then it was your fault. It's like.
1: Well, I didn't feel heard Mm. at all. And I think a part of that, I remember at the time feeling like. Um, partly because of my age. And that also became a bit of a factor, like we're talking about you're turning 30 soon. Um, Coming up, you know, those sort of four years chronic pain, so I was two years in, coming to 30, like, felt pretty awful really because you don't want to be in that place at 30 Um, and you don't feel like you're moving forward, you know. And... Look, it's a lot to condense, four years is a lot to condense down to one conversation. But um, we did the three years in Melbourne and then we moved on to Hong Kong. And, you know, I was still in chronic pain, still no answers.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, the only thing that was different was that I was fairly, I was I was managing what I needed to do my day-to-day life and I adapted certain things. Um But you don't feel as present for, like I've spoken to my eldest son about it recently and he's like, I I don't remember that, but I shared because he works in exercise science as well. And so I shared with him, like, you know, I felt bad that I wasn't as there for you as much. But I was there, but it's just mentally I was in pain. Mm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. You had a very... Big thing to attend to, so you were there physically, but it was hard to deal with, and a lot of uh, unpleasant experiences that you may have hidden well in certain contexts, but still you were suffering. Yeah, in silence, yeah. it's an invisible. And you
1: and you and I, I, I became to feel like a burden to my family. You know, because it's time and money, time, money, energy spent on this, and. I got scared to move. I can see that's a pattern that, that's a trap that many people fall into. And now I can see that as an observer, like, you know, being there, done that, got the t shirt kind of thing, like. um, And I was very weak. I lost a lot of confidence in myself because, and then you start to have things because you're weak. I now see that's not just whatever the injury is, there's that weakness. And, and other things start to flare up and then it's just more, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also the attitude, like one, well, one physio in particular, a couple like but condescending,
2: like
1: hmm. you're trying to say this isn't working for me. Now I know they didn't know, but they couldn't say that. If they'd said that to me, like, I'm not sure, but I know this works, let's try this. If they'd been a bit more open and honest, I would have had more confidence in myself, you know? Like, um, and oh, just, yeah, that's frustrating because yeah. I can see that's a, a really common situation.
0: Yes, healthcare professionals who are taught to help. It's a bit of vulnerability on their part to be honest and be like, there's so many things involved. And uh, there's almost, we have a a way of hiding that through medical jargon and diagnosis and giving you, prescribing you the patient uh, exercises to do. And then there is that, certainty but underneath it all is uncertainty and is well i was
1: made to feel bad Mm. because your core is weak so therefore it's your fault that you've hurt yourself i mean i guess it is but your core is weak you were not strong enough to do whatever that's how you've injured yourself uh this is a consequence um you know But, you know, my eldest is 32. We, the physio would come, I mean, I went through the public system, which was fine, like, but you had a physio come in, do X, Y, Z, probably took five, ten minutes. And that was it in those days. I know it's better now. I have grandchildren, daughter-in-laws and, you know, they speak and that things are much more thorough, which is great. Um, Because in all honesty, I I did the exercises that I was
0: told to do, but there wasn't much, Hmm. you know. And there wasn't an opportunity for feedback. No. Where you mentioned that it's, hey, it's not working for me, but then there there wouldn't be that shared decision-making or um, choice, autonomy. It was kind
1: of just like, At the time I I know it's improved, but Mm. at the time it was ticking boxes. Mm. And things like the ball was a new thing because it was all about the ball. And you know, so I went and bought the ball, right?
0: Yep, the stability ball, the Swiss ball, yep.
1: And I'm sure it helped in some ways, but some of these things, you know, there's a fad. Mm -hmm. And I had some friends like well meaning, genuinely, you know, trying to help. Oh yeah, I have a bad back too, come to this whatever, like a Tupperware, but for back shit party. And I remember being so tired, so worn down that I went okay and it was, you know, massagey devices, not like manual, like not fuzzy, but yeah, and this will, you know, fix everything this is the cure you know, the snake oil, right? And you're so desperate for relief that you go, okay. And then I remember getting home and it was really expensive and, you know, we're a young family on a budget and just slipping out that I'd agreed to buy this thing and then having, because it was like, why why did I agree to that? Like, this is nonsense. school so And... It was just like a massage tool, roller thing, whatever it was, and having to ring up these people who were lovely and say, I, I, I have to renege, I can't buy this, I, I can't. Mm. And then feeling so awful, but that's what they prey on, mm. like your vulnerability. And so now, like, I know I send you these things all the time that I see online because people are inundated. Mm with all these
2: strange things. Hmm. Um, And some of them are just insane,
1: you know. And it's all about money.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah, there is a lot of well-intentioned, for the most part, but misinformation and quick fixes out there. And I imagine if we go to when... The pain was at its most intense for you and, and most concerning. That was something that you wanted, right? That was be, it. Would be, but been it's amazing. also is
1: it is, night? of course. Mm-hmm. But it's also, you get told that your body is lacking in a certain way. Mm-hmm. So to compensate, you do what you're told. Like, mm-hmm. well, don't sit on a soft couch. Don't lay on a saggy mattress don't sit too long in this position oh your posture is bad so that feeds into the other and honestly i did have i did have stuff where you know we we did a bit of travel and i stayed in a you know dodgy faulty towers and the mattress was ridiculous and my back was really sore after that but now that would happen if that happened now i'd go yeah, the mattress was shit and I'll be all right, you know, and that's sort of where I, what I do prefer a firm mattress, sure, but, like, I know that it's not a permanent situation.
2: Yeah.
1: Whereas before that pain then triggered and heightened all the anxiety mm. and then you're supposed to be on holiday and you're just, like, managing that. Mm. that so scary? it's it's easier to stay at home. Yeah. Because yeah. it sucks all the joy, mm. which is a very privileged, you know, that's a privileged example. I'm lucky that I got to go on holiday. But I'm just, what I'm trying to say is things like transport, you know, getting jostled in public transport or falls mm. or anything. You just start thinking, oh, my God, that's it. Like, so, yeah, the stepping stone to, like, crawl out of that
0: kid's face. So reflecting on what were some of the diagnoses that you were given, some of the explanations and uh, treatments initially to get rid of the pain or to fix the pain? You've mentioned a few already and uh, it seems like there's a a long list
1: uh, of them. Well... The big thing I don't know about now was the, um, you know, what's the little machine that they rub on you?
0: There's an ultrasound, there's TENS, there's yeah, like electro gadget things. Yeah.
1: yeah. Bit of gel and yeah. where you go. There's a lot of that.
0: Um, the
1: ball. Initially, because I did try osteo. That was one of the early
2: ones. Um, the machine, the, the electro, whatever thing. The
1: thing is, because it's warm and it's kind of a massage, so it feels nice, right?
0: Yeah. So in so the short term, it was. You kind of relieved. go, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, okay, yeah, this is doing good. Um, one of the things I took up on my own in Melbourne, I'm not sure why, was acupuncture. Mm-hmm. And I found this old Asian epitome of that, you know, guy. Um,
0: medicine practitioner.
1: And that was when I was studying. I started studying and the days were long, you know. And, and, um, and so at the end, like once a week, I went for quite a long time once a week to that. And then, you know, I found, like, it helped on the day. It did give relief, but it didn't fix anything. It's like a massage. It's like anything, you know. And then, oh, yeah, go for a massage. Will you go for a massage? You're nervous because it's your back. You have that chat. This is where my back pain is. Please don't do this. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. Then they do that. Many massages in the early days, I came out feeling worse, which is, you know, so I just stopped doing that. Um, The way through, now I know, look, everybody's different. All injuries are different. But the way through for me in the end was exercise and movement. But it took a long time to get to that point. Where I got actually got told you're strong enough to do this now. Mm. Um, moved overseas, saw different physio who I'd been referred to from the Melbourne guy. He actually admitted, "Oh, I studied with this guy. I don't know. Try this." And then, then getting into Hong Kong, the old school, it was very much a production line. There's no separate room. In the clinic. Yeah, yeah. it's curtains.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and at one point, this is one that now I look back and think, oh, my God, it was almost Neanderthal. He, I don't know what you call, call it, but he put me on this bed, strapped this leather belt thing around me to, you know.
0: To mobilisation.
1: No, and then put something on my ankles and turn the thing on and left me there to be pulled in traction.
0: Traction, very interesting. Yeah, those are still around, less so.
1: I guess it's just a different way. I guess they physically like can hand mobilise. It's just a different way because he then could was he was hand free to go and work with someone else and then come back.
0: So you, had, you still had pain at this time? Yeah. And so desperate that you go,
1: okay, because yeah. I'm in a foreign country now mm. and this is the one person that my Melbourne physio who probably wouldn't have felt comfortable with that, but mm. that's who I was referred to. Yeah. So I did that for a little while. Yeah.
0: So you were just doing what you were told? Yeah.
1: There was a lot of that, yeah.
0: It's you're following, you're following all the advice. It wasn't necessarily your fault that you've been... Um, mm. Down this path of less than helpful well, treatments? Well,
1: I'm not a doctor, physio, whatever, right? So I'm going with those who have the skills and tools and then left wanting, sometimes worse for wear. Hmm. Um, I ended up going to a more Western physio <clears throat> It was okay, you know, it was more of the same and then he at least said to me try pilates and i did that and that was the first time that i did get some relief for a while and i started to gain some confidence back in my body and i think i did that for about six months and it takes up time and it's costly and you know but it was kind of starting to feel some relief so let's go with that Um and then I had a really bad flare-up. And um like it was just after starting to feel better and it was like three weeks. I remember it was three weeks, sticks in my head. And it was actually my husband said, You need to go to the doctor. I think I would say that was pretty much rock bottom for me, that top line. And The doctor said, why haven't you come to see me? And I remember just saying,
2: like Western doctor, Hmm. I remember just saying, because there's no point. And anyway, she referred me to
1: an Australian physio who she said was the end of the line person. And,
2: you know, your brain kind of, you think, well, why don't you send me there the first fucking place? And then,
1: um, anyway, I went there. And within five minutes, she said to me, you have sacroiliac joint dysfunction. I remember being on the table, I'm in my, like, you know, bra and knickers and just met this person and just wanting to, like, hug them, mm. just to be told this is what's wrong with you, mm. you
0: know. And that was the first time you had a... What was different with that diagnosis compared to the other well, diagnoses? Well,
1: um, I felt like she actually was listening to me. Mm.
0: Um, Sounds like you were validated. Her...
1: Yeah, uh, yes and gave a shit,
2: Hmm.
1: genuinely gave a shit. wasn't just about next, next, you know, um, because it can become a factory. I can see that. And so I worked with her for, well, you know, she was my physio for a long time, but until she left Hong Kong. And that was kind of scary too because this is another thing that I can see is a bit of a trap because you tend to depend on them, right? Like. Like I had this attitude for a time there where I was like, oh she saved my life, you know? She turned my life around. Like like that's not shouldn't be like that. Mm-hmm. And then being a bit disillusioned around that. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I'm embarrassed to kind of admit that. But you know, when someone gets you on a path and, you know, is with you on that journey to get you out of chronic pain, of course you kind of feel that way, right? Like, um, So really she just treated me like, and then it was like weekly treatments for about a year, weekly treatments for about a year. But I was progressing. And so treatments and exercise homework and did it and felt heard. And I think in part now, I think there was just feeling heard and someone to talk to because when you're moving countries and, you know, like foreign countries and dealing with all these different things and away from family and friends and community. So it was like almost a little bit of community. Like, so it was, anyway, overall it was a positive thing. But um, about a year on, she was kind of like, you're ready to start going to the gym now. Like you're strong enough in your core and such. And so I started with my first trainer.
0: Yeah, so that's when you were given the permission to go on towards, like, strength training, resistance training. Yeah,
1: Um, more core, lots of core, Mm -hmm. all the core. No, you're not doing it right. You know, Mm -hmm. putting the hand in the small of the back, like this intense, like, am I doing it right, breathing stuff. And then, you know, fast forward years later, and it's like actually your call goes on naturally.
0: <laughs> uh, you fast forwarded to
1: oh, well my next my next trainer wrote. Gotcha. Yeah. Um so that trainer was good for the time, lovely person, just following, I guess, what he'd been taught. Um But uh, a couple of years in, and same kind of thing, right? So you kind of, like, build trust in this person. So you believe them, you go with whatever. But he was starting to be more about the business side stuff, like, you know. And anyway, I changed trainers. And... And, there was a, and the next trainer was actually, so the physio had left, transient Hong Kong, um, being referred to another physio, uh, physio at her clinic. And i got to the point of the training because I had to travel quite a way out to do it. Saw the physio, yeah, my back saw, yeah, after doing training, blah, 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 and had a decent conversation. And she was like, why are you still with this trainer? He's not listening to you. coming out worse. But you have that sense of loyalty, which is just me, like you know, and and I'm like, well, I don't know anybody else, and you know, and she's like, no, I know this really great guy, and and so yeah, so I changed, and that was definitely a real way forward because after being working with him for a while, I. A lot of it was a focus on fundamental movement and getting confidence back in my body. That was a big deal. Um, and I'd go in, you know, it's like a little bit with you. It'd be like, this happened on the train or something, but I'm doing this. And you'd be like, okay, well, we'll just adapt. We'll adapt training to that, but we're going to keep going. Mm. And we'd put up with my stubbornness. And and also listened, mm. really listened um, but would be firm and give me that push when I needed it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, interesting. So like I can see there were a few people along this journey that gave you a bit of safety to progress to a next stage to progress kind of yeah, towards little where steps you are right Now, so it's kind of like um, you had these pivotal moments thanks to a few people providing you that confidence. Yeah. Um, And also helping you maybe reflect on the process so far so then you could change that to get into a different trajectory. I see all these different kind of trajectories based on your experience and based on your journey so far. Yeah,
1: because um, when, when I left Melbourne, so, you know, I lived in Hong Kong like almost 18 years, right?
2: So when I first left Melbourne, like, I was so weak. I couldn't lift a full kettle of water. But a lot of that, that's on me, a huge part of that's on me because
1: I just got too frightened to do stuff. Um, that's fucked up. And so I had to get not just, like, from whatever the pain stuff was, I had to get through the mental side of it. Like, it's it's very hard to put into words how
2: terrifying it is to move when you're scared to move. Mm. Like, I mean, I
1: was so upright. Like, you even commented on that when I first started with you about how upright I was with the squats and stuff.
2: Hmm.
1: Because you adapt, like you stop moving or you start to move in a rigid way, you know, like you lose that flexibility and Hmm. looseness and that comes with uh, confidence in your body. Hmm. Um, So leaving Hong Kong, so I've been back here, December will be three years um one of the scariest parts of moving back to my own home country was well i'm training twice a week now with the aussie trainer who i trust and there's a community there and the training isn't just about treatment it's like he actually said to me you know like like this is now more about health as well like strength got me into lifting kettlebells
2: which was a journey
1: um took into account my uh, anxiety around that. Um, use the, the steppy things that you can stack.
0: Yep. So starting from lifting at a height and then taking out the mats Yeah. so you can lift it from a lower height. Yeah, yeah.
1: so slow and steady, very much the turtle, not the hare, you know, and then just building up on that. Um, lots of just moving around the room stretching, core, hand weights, oh, the power plate. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you had your routine. Yeah, push
1: up your things.
0: Health and fitness centred as well as pain centred. Yeah. So You've had a bit of safety in that routine. Yeah. With the trainer.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, move. You need to move, right?
0: Yeah,
1: And one of the things, just a little side note, uh, which there was a lot of focus on too. Now, when I first hurt my back, I'm not a tall person, okay, but I would have weighed, I think I weighed, uh, I'd gained some weight when I was living in New Zealand. I'd gone from 55 kilos to 62 kilos. And it's funny how the numbers stick in your brain, but the reason being that conditioning around that. So for my height, my optimum acceptable weight, I remember being told by GP, was 62 kilos. Mm. And I'd hit that 62 kilos Mm. and moved to Melbourne. And so when I hurt my back, part of the thing that was like, and through it was ingrained in me to, you know, because you're fat, you're fat, you've gained weight. This is part of the problem. You've hurt your back because you've gained weight that was like an ongoing you know Mm. thing as well um and what's interesting now is that like 20 years on you know i'm like 30 kilos heavier but i'm actually and around you know heart health and things like that yeah sure like i'd like to lose a bit of weight around that but my attitude has changed. I still get triggered sometimes, but 30 kilos heavier and I am not in chronic pain anymore. I'm stronger. I have muscles. I am lifting whatever the weights are that I do with you. I'm walking my dog. I'm playing with my grandchildren. I'm getting up and down off the floor. i
0: yeah, you're more mobile, stronger than you were yeah. when you were in a smaller body. Yeah. And you were told that at the time that you should lose weight for your pain as well? Yeah. yeah
1: well. I was told that by more than one physio. Hmm. And then one physio who said, yeah, losing weight would help. And then, you know, I lost like 15 kilos or something, one like whatever. And then, of course, you just stack it back on and then some, right? So that was an ongoing thing as well. And then, like, I lost the weight and I said, but my pain is the same. And he's like, oh, yeah, because, you know, losing weight can cause pain too. No shit that, oh, because your body's adapting to that.
2: Yeah, it doesn't make sense.
1: And now pay me money Mm. for telling you that. Fuck off. Mm. That is bad, okay? And I accepted that at the time because he's, skilled and educated
0: right Yes, yeah, and the thing that's coming up is we put our trust in a healthcare professional to provide us the guidance and the advice and that that comes with a responsibility on the healthcare professional to be as honest and open as possible and that's otherwise you've experienced some of the the costs where there is that uh certainty of just do this and you'll be fine and then you you do that then it doesn't work would be nice to have been told that earlier i imagine
2: yes and like here like i'm
1: sitting with you now right so like i now know that like before if we'd been here i would have asked you for a pillow or i would have just perched like right on the edge of this seat,
2: hmm.
1: which for those listening is a
0: very upright and leaning forward. Yep. No, but
1: the chair is um, laid back, yes, cushioned, whatever. So I would have been probably sitting here like this, very upright on the edge of the seat, because sitting back like the position I've just moved out of, hmm. laying back in the chair with my legs crossed, that's bad for you, that. You were told that. Yeah. yeah. And um, also, you're really flexible. So if you stay in any one position too long, that, you know, that you can like, like kind of like, not that you're doing damage, but you're doing whatever, and that's why, because you're flexible, you can stay in the position longer before you feel pain.
0: I don't know, like that, I was told that. Yeah, I wonder if for the clinicians listening, it's we want to provide an explanation. I talk.
1: understand that. I understand that. And there's part of me that will, even now, you know, if I sit in a certain position, I think, oh, I sat there too long. I mean, I get it. But I was scared to sit there at all.
0: Yeah, so then it would be nice to check in to see what, what do you take from that explanation? Or well, how does that make sense for you? Because the yeah. explanation can be different.
1: Yeah, because different it can be these throwaway comments. Yeah, and, like and lose
0: weight or you're too mobile or you're too weak. It's like, hang on.
1: You've had too many
2: babies. That was another one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It's, uh, it's frustrating to hear.
1: I
2: actually mm.
0: disputed that one.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. The way your body is, you probably could have got away with one pregnancy because hmm. everything softens in pregnancy, right? Hmm. So yeah, three. No, you've had too many pregnancies. Um, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Like you know. And I was actually like, well, you know what? I would go through all of this again. I love my children. That's you know a no brainer. Like, and what is the point? Of saying that to me.
0: Yeah. Something you can't change. You can't. Like, even if
2: it's true, it's done. Like, yeah.
0: Reflecting back on these turning points throughout your journey, what was most helpful for you? What were the factors that provided you the most confidence or, or changed your trajectory? the most, like the pivotal moments. I'm hearing the people who listened and validated your experience.
1: Well, I can see that, um, I know, I really do believe genuinely that any of the clinicians I saw, I'm sure their heart was in the right place. I don't think you
2: go into that role without an element of that. I think sometimes
1: I'm an artist man like i'm not you know who mm. am i to say but my observation is like any profession people get tired
2: mm.
1: um they're overworked stress life factors all the things like anybody everybody's human we're all human right um i would say sometimes it's easy to turn clients in and out. You know, it's a business. It gets to be a little bit of a factory. Like, I could see that in some of the clinics that you I could, went you to. You could sense
0: that yourself?
1: I did in a couple, mm. yeah. Particularly the Hong Kong ones. Time is money in Hong Kong. That's the nature of the culture. That's a, probably more of a cultural thing. Um, Probably less here. Uh. What else do I know? Um, Because it's that time thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a 15-minute slot or whatever, right? Like,
2: um, feeling heard, feeling genuinely heard. Uh,
1: Having the courage to admit that they don't know what's going on. Like, rather than just a vague response? Because that, that taps into feeling unheard. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, talking to you around things like exercises, homework, whatever. Hey, this would be beneficial. But do you think you can manage this? Okay, what can you manage? Um, what would make you feel more motivated to do that? Maybe you're taking the time to have a bit of conversation around that.
2: What
1: what kind of movement do you enjoy? That's another way through. I think. Uh, okay, you're in pain right now, chronic pain, flare up, whatever. What actually helps you feel better? Hmm. Like you know, like I had like um, going in the water for me personally. That was one of the later like the the physio said to me. You know, can you just get in the pool? Oh, hmm. well, yeah, I could do that. I know it sounds ridiculous. Why can't I think of that? But sometimes you can't get outside yourself, you know, outside your head. Um, so the biggest thing would be actually just taking a little bit more
2: time to listen. Um, Count being, being
1: sort of the doctor in the early stages, the the referring me to do counselling, which led to meditation. That was good.
2: That was really good. Um, And really
1: just movement. Just and having someone be a trainee, whatever, being really patient, not like being patient around the progression you know like but at the same time kicking your ass like when you probably do need it like you know touch wood i was reflecting on you know you saying to me we're going to do podcasts whatever um i i haven't seen a physio since i've been back i know you're an ep like i get it but i haven't what i'm saying is I haven't had hands-on mobilisation, whatever stuff. I also haven't had... I think I've had one that first year. I had that one really bad flare-up, and since then I haven't... It's not to say I won't, but when I get the flare-ups now, it's easy. Of course, you still get a bit anxious, okay? like, But you don't have this I don't have the same dialogue around it.
2: Mm.
1: Therefore I can let it go. Therefore there's I think there's less tension in my body. I can keep moving, I can try have the sort of you know try things like keep going. Yes, yes, I'm in pain, but I'm gonna be in pain anyway. I know that now. Um, Oh, actually, that made that feel better Hmm. or the same. But you know what? Not worse. And still function and do what you want to do, Hmm. you know. And I'm doing way more shit than what I've done. Like, you know, like if you told me 20 years ago you'll be doing this and you'll be doing it every week,
2: I would have laughed in your face. Like, yeah. absolutely not, you know. So.
0: Yeah, different response, even though you get flare-ups. So we have, not I think, two things to clarify. is, uh, One, I could have been a physio. I could have been an osteo-chiro trainer. It's more about the approach in general. And like you mentioned, the listening, the feeling heard, the questions and shared decision-making of, like, what do you think? What would you enjoy? Um, and then two is the pain hasn't magically vanished from your life.
1: It never made it, it, it essentially, the last few years I was in Hong Kong, like I started training once a week, then I enjoyed it, you know, and I felt better. So I did it twice a week. And... Now I'm doing it twice a week with you as well and have for a while. It's the movement, the training. It That's what's, I'm not in chronic pain anymore. You said to me recently, you said you're not in rehab anymore.
0: And what was that like for you, hearing that?
1: That's kind of surreal. That's, hmm. and then, oh, yeah, I guess you're, I guess I'm not. And, you know, my last trainer in Hong Kong sort of, you know, was saying the same. And it was a big deal for me at the end. It was it was a goal. It was an aspiration to be able to lift from the floor twenty four a 24-kilo 24 kettlebell. It was like a major win for me. And then we moved here and I got referred to you. And, you know, you looked at what I was doing. And now what are we, two and a half years later? Yeah, two years. Yeah. Two two years. Yeah. Two years. Th- through COVID. Yeah. We've both stayed committed. Zing mm. <laughs> <Same> training. <laughs> um, I'm doing the dead, deadlifts. Mm. Yeah. And not only, well, I haven't done it for a while, but not only swinging the kettlebell, I'm not only lifting it, I'm I, I now know how to swing it. The kettlebell, it's a heavier one.
0: It is. It was 32, was the record.
2: Yeah. What was
0: perhaps different, unexpected with our approach that we worked on?
1: I didn't know what an EP was, okay.
0: (laughs) It's on the record
2: now.
1: I didn't know. That the trainer who referred me, yeah. like I thought he was a trainer. I didn't yeah. even know he was an EP.
2: Yeah.
1: And he's like, I'm going to refer you to this guy. It was only that I was trying to look for myself. My, mm-hmm. my trainer didn't know anybody. And then he was a trainer that used to train me when my trainer was away. Mm-hmm. Young, super nice person. And he'd studied here. And he said, oh, yeah. I said, and I just happened to mention I can't find anybody. Everything that I could see was CrossFit,
0: gym wise trainers. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And um, like, yeah, no, that's not a good fit for me. And
2: he goes, oh yeah, I know this guy. You
1: know, that might work. And then we met. I think we had not that many sessions, and then we had to do the COVID. Yeah. Zoomy thing. Mm. Um, and the biggest surprise was that EPs don't menu, like don't touch your body.
0: What was that like knowing that?
1: It was weird. It was like, well how are you gonna treat me then? This day, stay <laughs> yeah,
2: sure.
1: um what do you mean what how's that a thing mm. and now i'm like oh okay now i of course i understand but uh look i think all the you know massage even you know all that kind of stuff i'm, I'm sure a lot of it it's not, when you're in pain, when you're in particularly chronic pain, the physical touch of someone, you know, who you trust, like a physio or similar, um, um, massaging, whatever it is, like it, 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 it's a relief, you know, of sorts, like it does help. But it's only temporary. I know that now. So, yeah, sure, my back sore would be nice to have, you know, that. But
2: it's not going to – there's no quick fix.
0: Full stop. And same with exercise.
1: I mean, I've had the whole thing, your hips out. Mm. Yeah, I used to stand in the middle. Oh, my back sore. Oh, just check my hips. Yeah, look, I can see that's out. Mm. Yeah, that's why my hips sore. I need to do more of this stretch on this side now. He's still a lot of fucking stretching, okay? But it it you know at the same time it didn't hurt me. It didn't, you know, it gave me some confidence that I was The biggest thing was when I got to that point where I started feeling less chronic, slowly but surely, and I started to realize that I could help myself. I was the 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 guidance the really big way forward was Sorry, I'm getting louder. But the guidance of you can, you're a big part of this, like it's your body, right? So actually I can guide you, but you can take charge of this. You know, so even if it was me, it was stuff that didn't make a difference, it mentally made a difference. Like if I went travelling or had a big day out and about or whatever, I knew, oh, I can stop and do a little stretch and, you know, like I won't be so sore. Just that simple act is quite empowering rather than my back sore, I don't know what to do or whatever sore.
0: So it's finding out things you can do for yourself, taking a bit of uh, self-management as The focus so you feel more confident if you get pain outside of the interaction with a healthcare professional. Because I know,
1: know, you know, what I did up until actually, if I'm honest, up until even coming back and starting to work with you, I'd have a flare-up and I would write that down. I'd make a list. This happened this day, da-da-da-da-da. And then, you know, and then I'd say to you, I did this this hurt that happened and you go yeah okay like you were listening to me it wasn't that you weren't listening to me but you're like yeah all right. like and that was my own anxiety you get caught up in that but it was that thing of yeah it's okay that it's we can still do this like and also um tiredness I mean we do pretty early sessions I am by nature not a morning person as you well know. Um, But I actually prefer it now because it sets me up for the day, you know. Uh, And the great motivator is I know I'm going to feel better on the other end of it. I mean, what the fuck was that thing we did this morning that was
0: new? Uh. Five reps. (laughs) Anything more than one rep is cardio.
1: The heavy reps, five reps, how many times? Oh, lots.
0: I think you did like five sets. So.
1: Jesus Christ. But, you know, and like,
2: yeah, and I did it. Hmm.
0: Yeah, come a long way. And you're managing pain in a different way now. You have a different response, I'm seeing.
1: I do. And I can see it too. I can see it in extended family and friends and you know i can see like there is a culture around pain you know and i can see that but there's a shift as well like just recently i was saying to you something on the radio and they're talking about movement or whatever and normally that would be a physio and all of a sudden it was an ep and like both had their role like this map but it was interesting to say oh it's an ep like as I said, a couple of years ago, I didn't know what that was. So there's, like, different things brewing, which is good to see. Um, but the biggest thing is just any kind of movement, just regular movement. That is was the biggest shift for me. Um,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Using this opportunity, reflecting on... You've got a lot of strengths to go through all this. What were some of those?
1: What do you mean? I don't
0: What kind of qualities did you have throughout the journey that got you to where you are now? Because, I mean, you did all the hard work. I didn't do any squats today. <laughs>
1: That's
2: true. <laughs> um, turning up. I guess. I don't know. Uh, Well, probably
1: not just accepting. Like, I was worn down for that period of probably four years around the chronic pain. But getting back to my sort of values and having a bit more confidence in myself to say, fuck off. Like, I don't like, you know, questioning, questioning stuff.
2: Um. Consistency showing up, as I said, being a bit of a stubborn ass, really. Like yeah. I don't
0: know that willingness and that curiosity.
1: Yeah, curiosity. You not
0: just definitely you know, give up without question. You're finding out more information. you that. That's a a way that I'm hearing. It's like from my standing. That's how you empowered yourself to make choices and have some autonomy and have some direction yourself to do things for yourself just by asking a few questions. Yeah.
1: And also addressing like, um, mental health stuff, particularly, you know, you rewind back 20 years, there's a lot of stigma there, you know, Mm. and, um, you know the, the chronic pain led like there was depression there like it led to depression i like believe like um and the, the that first sort of physio who listened to me in hong kong did chat to me around that um and and that was that was definitely
2: beneficial as well
0: addressing yeah. the whole You, we touched on a few Instagram ads that you've seen and there's a bit of, and you mentioned that you see it in some friends and family. There's a culture around pain. There's some perhaps unhelpful beliefs and claims made out there mm. about injuries and how to fix pain and you need to do this and you should do this and you shouldn't do that. All these rules mm. for the listeners. What advice would you give to them or How to respond to the instagram ads or the misinformation for the the benefit of clients who have pain what should we do there's a whole culture basically how do we change culture it's all on you now yeah it's a hard one but based based on your experiences from from what you've seen with loved ones
1: well, media. I mean, media and technology is just so overwhelming for everyone, right? Mm. So um, we're constantly bombarded with all these quick fix, whatever, in every aspect of our lives, aren't we? And people are just so busy, and people want—they want an answer, they want efficiency, they want, you know. Oh. How did how clinicians
0: respond to this stuff? What would you have liked clinicians to have responded for you when you were in that cycle? Or if you see a friend or family, like a loved one, in pain, what, how should healthcare professionals respond?
1: I think you just need to have that conversation, that dialogue around taking it back to fundamentals you know, um, checking in with them around other, like I said, I don't want to harp on about it, but the mental health stuff, is there other stuff going on? Mm -hmm. Um, like I've had conversations with you around different things where Mm -hmm. you've said, Oh, I know this person who does this. I'm not qualified admitting. I'm not qualified to do that, but they do that. Would Mm -hmm. you like to try that? Mm -hmm. Like that that's helpful. Um, how's your sleep, how's your, you know, what are you doing outside of training for movement? Um, Like fundamentals around nutrition, perhaps in a gentle way, like not a
2: judgment way. Hmm. Um, Just reassuring people
1: that, they can take autonomy themselves with guidance is obviously needed, you know, like at times or, you know, but just that they are enough. They can, they can, they can do it really. Like that. They, they can, there's no quick fix, but time and patience will, With your own body finding the answers within the movement reflecting on that trying some more just like that really is all i can say i don't know if that's enough to say yeah
0: going back to the basics and helping people when they're out of that they're looking for that quick fix
1: well i mean of course there's pain
2: meds some people go that way I mean, that was, like,
1: only in really bad flare-ups would I take my anti-inflammatory in stuff. But even, then, like, you know, very rarely, like, I just wasn't interested in that. Like, But, you know, there's stuff you can do, like, you know, have a routine around, like, if it's a flare-up, the thing, it's okay to maybe have a heat pack or, a, you know, a bit of a rest or whatever and take these moments. But... That can't be all of it. Like it, it's you still have to do what little movement you can do. Like the movement is the big thing for me. Because mm. of
2: honestly, that's what made the difference. Because it's putting you in touch with your physical self. Mm.
0: Yeah. The embodiment of The complex experience of pain and coming back to your body, being present, taking care of yourself, self care—it's almost a form of curiosity and kindness that you. Yeah, like
1: self kindness, which Mm. can be really hard, like I said before, Mm. and you know, pain sucks. But um, and I am very grateful that I'm now here. But it took a long time and, you know, it, yeah, it was really hard and still hard sometimes. But um, I, don't, I think clinicians, you cannot underestimate the, the, the power that chronic pain can have on someone. Like seriously, it can just be so exhausting. And, and it's just like, you know, that that it's just just taking the time to genuinely fucking listen and make that person feel heard. And even if it's just they wanna whinge, they wanna have a fucking whinge that's gonna take you an extra 10, 15 minutes, just fucking listen. But then move on from that because otherwise it's just rinse and repeat, right? Like you need to somehow work with them as an individual, see people as individuals, not just a number. That's another thing. There's no like cookie cutter.
2: You know, if you're not up for that, then don't bother, honestly. Sorry, but...
1: I mean, we do it in other ways, don't we? Like, we now know through education, like, all kids are different, all students are different, you know, all brains are different bodies. Mm. Like, you know, it's like some people just take longer. They need that extra, you know, care, like, you know, but it's not to say, like, and don't give up on people. And they might have given up on themselves and maybe you will make the difference between taking that time, making that space to show them that they're relevant and that, you know, and then they might, you know, believe it too. That was the difference too. That was like feeling like you, even though you were feeling broken and scared and
2: like tired that you still mattered. Yeah, well,
0: Helen, wow. thanks for sharing. <laughs> that's right. Thanks a lot of courage and vulnerability to no, express no. all that. And there's some really important points that I'm sure will be of huge value to clinicians listening. You're an artist, so I can't leave without you mentioning your page, Instagram, where people oh, follow you. And that's if, right. if <laughs> listeners were, were keen to get in touch, or hear a bit more about yourself, or follow your training log with all the heavy, scary weights.
1: Well, they can see my weights and swearing on your page. Right? Yes, they can. But,
2: um,
1: yeah, sure. I'm Helen Bronte Boyd, artist on Insta, so we'll always welcome, you know, more interest. It's
0: a privilege to work with such a creative, amazing human. <laughs> so, I'm <And> very humble. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you for working with me and putting up with me. (laughs) And, yeah, no, thanks for today. That was great.